welcome to this week's edition of Liberty Through the Word with Senior Pastor Mark Elin of Liberty Christian Fellowship of Beloit, Wisconsin. The Bible says that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. That is to say that the Word of God provides us with physical, moral, and spiritual freedom. Let's tune our hearts and listen to Assistant Pastor Mark Testerman as together we experience liberty through the Word. If we have our hope in Jesus Christ and not necessarily just in one another, just in things, we won't walk in discouragement. You see, when we get our hope in other people, where that's where the emphasis of our hope is at, they'll disappoint us at times, but God will never disappoint you. He is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Amen. Beginning at verse 22 of chapter 11, it says, Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? (laughs) I love what he says. He says, I'm out of my mind to talk like this. He said, I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked, he said. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. And now, Father, we thank you for your word right now. We ask that you bless your word, God. We ask you that you get a hold of our hearts right now and speak things to us right now, God. In the precious name of the Lord. And those are the words from the Apostle Paul. I was thinking this morning, we go through some times in life that uh, are good times. And I've said you better praise God when times are good. Because we don't always walk in times when, when things are good and going our way. Where it seems like we have the favor of God and the favor of man upon us. But Paul knew what good times were. But then we walk in some times that are, we would call the bad times. And the bad times are when things are, are disappointing us and things aren't going so well in our lives. And oh, we don't want that season to last very long. But I also thought that we walk in some ugly times. So we've got the good, the bad, and the ugly. The ugly times are the times where we really feel like giving up. Or oh, that we feel like we can't climb another mountain. We say, God, this time is so desperate. It's a desperate time. But we've got to come before the Lord and say, God, my expectations expectations are in you. My hope is in you, God. I trust in you, Lord. I'm not going to lean under my own understanding, but I'm going to trust in you and acknowledge you in all my ways, and he shall bring things to pass. He'll make your path straight. What does it mean to acknowledge God? Well, we think sometimes when I say, is he acknowledging me, or will you acknowledge me? We think sometimes, if I, can I just get your attention, or something like that. That's not what it means in the Hebrew when it says, in, in all your ways acknowledge God. It literally means to be intimate with God. That's what it means, because the Bible says in Genesis that Adam knew Eve, and that word knew there is, he was intimate with Eve, and she brought forth Cain. Now, you want to know something, if you want to become pregnant with the things of God, you've got to spend some time with him. 
You've got to be intimate with God. And out of that intimacy, he's going to burst something awesome in your heart and get a hold of you. So we walk through some times like that. I really think the ugly times in life are, are the times that almost like Jesus was spending in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before his crucifixion. It's kind of like walking in Gethsemane. The very word means olive press. And it's very fitting for, for what was going on because Jesus was under tremendous pressure that night as he was crying out to God. He knew the cross laid ahead of him the next day. Like that first song we sang, he knew that he was going to the cross the very next day. And so he was calling upon God, God, if there's some other way, I don't want to go if there's another way, God. But there was no other way. The Bible says his sweat became like drops of blood. And I've said before, there's a medical phenomena that when you get under tremendous stress, the capillaries in your skin begin to burst. And they say that could have been what happened to Jesus because he was under tremendous stress. Always been with the Father, never been forsaken. He'd always been with God. Knew the sin of the world was going to come upon him the next day. And he said, Father, I don't want to go. Can you imagine an appointment like that? If someone made an appointment like that for you, oh, we cancel appointments left and right uh, that are much smaller than that. Uh, can you imagine an appointment like that? He knew for sure he was going to the cross the next day. Amen. We walk through some tough times like that. I've walked through some tough times recently too and I've had to cry out and I've had to say, God, where are you? God, where are you? I don't feel you, God. God, I don't see you, God. God, I don't understand this situation that I'm going through, but God will never forsake us. He's, his word is very clear about that in Hebrews. He said, I'm not going to forsake you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to be there every step of the way. But you say, God, see, we're people that want to feel certain things. We, we're an emotional being. And we say, where are you, God, in the midst of the things that I'm going through? Amen. But we've got to keep a perspective for us. And I think that's what Paul does. He, he has a way when we begin to read those scriptures, he has a way of balancing out our lives. The things that we say are coming against us and stuff like that. When you look at his life and the hardships that he had to endure, the tough times that he had to go through, suddenly the things that we've got to deal with like unemployment. It's not as bad when you begin to look at these situations. We think about health problems that we might have. And we say, listen, I think I can get through it. Look what the apostle Paul went through. If we just lean on God, it's not so bad. But I want to focus upon a, a couple of things in these scriptures right here. The first one, if you'll look at it in verse 23, it says, I am more. What does it mean when he says more? Well, first of all, you just fill in the blank right there. First of all, in order to say that and truly believe it, that I am more, you've got to know what John chapter 1 verse 12 says. He said, but as many as received him, that's Jesus, to them, that's us, gave he the power to become the sons of God, even unto them which believe on his name. He says, I am more, first of all, because the Lord lives on the inside of me. He's the one that makes me more. I am more, he said. And I was thinking about that this morning, more of what? And in Romans chapter 8, verse 37, the Bible says, first of all, we're more than conquerors. He doesn't say, I'm just more than a conqueror. He says, we all are more than conquerors there. It says this, it says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. And I want you to know something this morning. That means you're more than just a winner. Now, there are winners and there are conquerors, but we are more than just winners. I mean, there's something very supernatural about this. When the apostle Paul said, you're more than a conqueror. You're more than just a winner. I mean, it's something that's way beyond just winning in life. He says, we're more than a conqueror through him because he loved us. Beyond normal. We're over and above. And we are the head and not the tail according to the word of God. We're more than conquerors. We're more valuable than a sparrow. 
according to the word of God. And as you begin to look in Matthew chapter 10, he says, are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? You know how much a farthing is? It's worth one quarter of a penny. That's all it's worth. And if you can get two sparrows for one quarter of a penny, that makes each sparrow worth one-eighth of a penny. If you can get eight sparrows for a penny, and God has got his eyes on that, come on now. God says, you're more than a sparrow to me. He said, I've got my eye up on the sparrow there. He says, are not two sparrows sold for a farthing, and one of them shall not fall to the ground without your father. And that father is capitalized, it's talking about God Almighty, that God's eye is on the little bitty bird. It's on the sparrow. And he says, you're more than just that sparrow to me. But he says, the very hairs of your head are numbered. I like that. I like to know that. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are more value than many sparrows. And I was looking at that. I went back to the word without. It says, and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. The word without means free from. So not a single sparrow is going to fall to the ground free from your father. We might say something like, uh, I'm without debt. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Or free from debt. The Bible says that God says not a sparrow is going to fall to the ground without or free from the Father knowing it. Free from the Father understanding it. Free from the Father permitting it. So everything that we walk through in life, the Father understands it. The Father has permitted it. The Father is right there with us, though, when we are going through those difficult times. And we've got to get a hold of that because so often, I know one week we can say, I feel the Father. Well, uh, one Sunday we can say, I felt like Jesus got a hold of me. But then comes Monday and we don't feel like Jesus is there. Well, he can't be there just on Sunday and gone on Monday and Tuesday. He's there all the time. He's omnipresent. He loves us. Oh, we can understand that kind of love. But we're more than conquerors according to the word of God. We're more valuable than sparrows according to the word of God. And what began to rise up in my heart is John 10, 10, where the Bible says the thief cometh not but for to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said in that same scripture, I have come that you might have life. And he didn't just say life alone, but he said more abundantly. And there's that word again. So we're more than conquerors. We're more valuable than a sparrow. And he says, listen, your life an abundant life that I want to give you I want to give you more abundantly and of course we know that is the God kind of life it is Zoe in the Greek I mean it's an excessive life that God has called us to live it's a super abundant it's a supernatural life and if we're not walking in that it's not God's problem if I'm not walking at it it's not God's fault it's on my end always and I've got to begin to search my heart I've got to begin to search the scriptures I've got to begin to search my mind what's going on here God I've got to begin to apply the truth of God that I know to be true it's a super abundant life in verse 23, now, he's already said, I work much harder than you guys. I feel like the Apostle Paul saying, listen, I'm on a mission in life that's bigger than just me. I'm on a mission in life that's bigger than my pastor's dream. I'm on a mission in life. Something got in my spirit. Something crawled up on the inside of me that's bigger than building the Sunday school program. Something's bigger than the transportation ministry. Something's bigger than Operation Love Thy Neighbor. Something is bigger than the building project. Something is bigger than this church alone. There's something on the inside of me. It is the glory of God. It is the cause of Christ that I'm going after. And I'm going to go after it with all my heart. He said, I've worked much harder than all of you. Amen. He was a hard worker. 
He also said in verse 23, he said, I've been in prison more frequently. There's that word again, more. He said, I've been, so sometimes we can hear more in a positive way. Sometimes it comes to us in a negative way. But we've got to take the good and the bad together. Paul said, I've been in prison more frequently. And I want you to know something about the prisons back then. They didn't have the 19-inch televisions hanging in the corner up there with the satellite dish up on the roof coming at you with 200 channels. They didn't have things like that. They didn't have a cafeteria back then that you went down to and got three square meals. They didn't have a gymnasium for you to jump rope in and play basketball and pump iron in. They didn't have nice warm hot soapy showers for us to get into back then. They didn't have a chapel for us to go to or a chaplain to come see us back then. They had human waste on the floor. The scraps they just scraped off of there and, and you just took them or you contended with the rats actually for them. I'm telling you the prisons were awful but he was chained for the glory of God and for the cause of Christ and that was rising up in his hearts. And he said in his heart, I'm going to preach on. You can't shut me up. I'm a child of the living God. That ought to be our testimony. You can't shut me up. I'm a child of the living God. The Bible says, for out of the mouth the heart speaketh or cometh forth. He was essentially saying, listen, there's a fire that shut up on the inside of my bone. And it's burning inside of me. And somebody's got to hear it. Fire is very contagious. And fire is supposed to spread abroad. And fire was on the inside of the Apostle Paul. He said, listen, I'm concerned about somebody's salvation. I'm concerned about somebody's deliverance. I'm concerned about somebody's healing today. I'm concerned that somebody hears the gospel today. That was in his heart. And I want to say to you, if you feel like you're in a prison like the Apostle Paul spent much time in, if you feel like you're in a prison like that, I want to say keep on writing like some of them old saints of God did. I want to say keep on preaching like some of them saints of God did in prisons. I want to say keep on singing like them saints of God did in prisons. Just keep on keeping on because God is in that prison with you and there's coming a day where he's going to spread open the bars or he's going to unlock the gate and he's going to let you out of that situation that you're in. Don't wait for things to get better. That's the enemy. When you say things like, well, when I feel better, I'll, I'll start doing this. Uh, when I have more money, I'll start doing this. Uh, you know, when I have more knowledge, I'll start doing this. No, you've got to work with what God's given you. If this is where God has got you right now, work with the tools that he's given you and work with all your heart. Work with all your might and all your strength and God will raise you up. I promise you. He also said in verse 23, he said, I've been flogged more severely and been exposed to death again and again. And I hear the Apostle Paul saying, listen, let me tell you something. Death wasn't just somewhere lurking around me. I'm telling you one thing. He said it was at my door. He said they wanted to sift me like wheat. The death was at my door and it kept coming at me again and again because the enemy wants to shut up a child of God. You start opening your mouth, he'll want to shut you up. And the Apostle Paul knew something about that. He was on the brink of death. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 30 verse 16. It says the grave is never satisfied. It says, give me another one. That's what the grave says. There's four things that are never satisfied, and the grave is one of them. The grave just says, come on, can I have another one, please? And the grave was lurking at Paul's door saying, I want you. Oh, I want you. It's no respecter of persons. Come on, Paul, step into the grave. But God had a better plan for his life. I felt the authority rising up in the Apostle Paul and he said, listen, I've got my eyes fixed upon Christ. I'm not finished with this race that I'm running yet. I'm not done yet. I've got more to do for God. I'm not going to let you consume me, Mr. Grave. Amen. He'd been exposed to death again and again, the Bible says. In verse 24, the Bible says five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Well, you can do the math right there. That's 195 
lashes. That's 195 scars on the back. His back must have looked like a, a road map from New York City. And I want you to know something about this right here. We're not talking about welts from the belt. And we, some of us have had those. We're talking about scars from the scourging that was going on. I mean, they were scarring this man. They were beating him. And they weren't so much interested in his flesh. They were interested in his dedication. They were interested in his mind. They were interested in his loyalty. And they figured if they could break him physically, that he would turn himself over emotionally too. But he had a greater power on the inside of him. He knew that scripture that says greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world they were trying to wound that man in his mind and that's the way the enemy works on us today he wants to wound our mind with unfairness and all kinds of different things he wants to wound our mind amen used to be an old saying you can take the boy out of the jungle but you can't take the jungle out of the boy they may have taken him out of his ministry for a time being taken him off the streets taken him out of those old-fashioned tent revivals but he had something that was powerful that they couldn't take out of his heart. That is an awesome thing when you think about it, that there could be something so awesome on the inside of a man or a woman or a boy or a girl. I, I love that. I'm glad I'm not the only Christian. How about you? Oh, I want, some, I want some more proof. I want some more evidence. I see men and women and boys and girls come to the Lord in all kinds of different settings, in all kinds of different ways. And I know only a God in heaven could move upon a heart like that. I've seen the biggest men, the burliest men come to the Lord and cry like a little baby. Because God Almighty was touching that heart. I've seen little kids that didn't even know what salvation was when the Holy Spirit got upon them. Buffy's little daughter Rosa several years ago at camp. It must have been about six years ago, seven years ago. She was just a little thing. As there was about 13, 14 little kids. They were like six, seven years old. Rosa sat over there all by herself. And we were having a service, and all of a sudden, I looked over there and I saw her crying. And I mean, she was not just crying, she was sobbing with tears. And I went over to, next to her, and as she sat there and I sat down next to her, I looked at her and I said, Rosa, uh, what are you crying about? I just wanted to hear it from her own heart. And as she just sobbed and the tears flew out of her eyes, she said, I don't even know what I'm crying about. God Almighty was moving up on the heart. And when he moves up on the heart, he's going to open some tear ducts because he touches a, an area that, uh, is, uh, that only he can get to. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. I feel the presence of the Lord. The glory of God in the cause of Christ was on the Apostle Paul's heart. It was on his mind. And I want to say to us today, if we'll keep a focus that even is that narrow, now that seems pretty narrow, and that's all you need when you're, you're thinking about, all I want to do is see the glory of God manifested. All I want to do is operate for the cause of Jesus Christ. My goodness, get your eyes off yourself. Get your eyes off one another. Get your eyes up on God and His glory and Jesus. In verse 25, it says, Three times I was beaten with rods. Now, I don't think they allow that in the United States today, but I can tell you one thing. In the early 90s, there was a man named Rodney King, if you'll remember him, in Los Angeles out there that started some riots out there uh, with, with the beating from four police officers out there. Oh, my goodness. That man was awarded $3.8 million before it was all said and done. There was more than a thousand businesses that were burned to the ground, and it cost that city more than a billion dollars. I want you to know that Paul was in a situation here, too. He didn't get awarded no $3.8 million. The city didn't care about Paul. They didn't riot up for Paul. So we can find ourselves in situations and we can say, God, where are you in the midst of all this thing? Paul was in prison a big part of his life. He'd been beaten like this. Used, abused, and always refused, neglected, rejected. All these things were going on in Paul's life. What an awful thing. 
But something was burning on the inside of them. It was the glory of God and the cause of Christ. He said in verse 25, once I was stoned. And now we're not talking about pea gravel here. We're not talking about small rocks here. When he was stoned, I want you to know something. They left contusions upon that man. The kind of stones they were using broke bones. They were throwing stones to kill him. Not just make him mad. Not just teach him a lesson. I believe God must have rescued him out of that situation. They were throwing heavy stones that ripped the flesh. Damage that requires stitching. But Paul said, it's for the glory of God. It's for the cause of Christ that I'll take these stones, bring them on. After he was stoned, it says, three times I was shipwrecked. Can you imagine being on a ship and being shipwrecked? And when these ships were wrecked, I mean, they broke apart. He said, I spent a night and a day in the open sea. To me, that's just treading water. I don't know how long you can tread water for, but a night and a day is a long time. Out there both night when it's light and when it's dark. I want you to know something. Jesus is present when it's light. He is the light of the world. He says, and by me all things consist. And in the midst of the darkest times that we walk through in life, Jesus is present. He's right there. Paul said, I was in the open sea for a day and a night. He said, I've constantly been on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in the country, in the sea, and from false... I guess that just about covers everyone and everywhere, doesn't it? In other words, everyone, every place I go, I find danger. Everywhere I go, I find someone that wants to kill me or throw me in jail. Is your life really that bad? Have I said anything that you would trade your situations for? The Apostle Paul, how about an open night in the sea? Anybody would trade their situations to tread water in the ocean tonight? How about for a flogging? A good old-fashioned flogging? How about being locked up in prison? This had a way of balancing my thought process. He said, I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. You know, it, it hurts to go without sleep. We just did that at youth lock-in, 7 o'clock at night at the church here till 7 o'clock in the morning. But when you get to be almost 43, and you're used to going to bed about 10, 11 o'clock at night, something like that, maybe midnight if it's real late, to stay up till 7 in the morning, that's, that's before we could even leave the church. Get to bed about 8.30. I wouldn't want to do that very often. It hurts to go without sleep. He said, I've also known hunger. He's not talking about he's just getting hungry. He's talking about a hunger on the inside of him that brings pain. Hunger pains. He said, I have known hunger. And he said, I've known what it's like to be thirsty. That must be miserable. He also said, I have been cold and naked. That must be miserable too. I mean, there's just not a whole lot you can do when you get cold if you don't have a blanket. Why do you think God put shivers into our system? Shiverings are, are a way of trying to warm our body a little bit. But he didn't say, I've been cool. He said, listen, I've been cold and I've been naked. Everything that we've talked about so far is talking about things that he's had to physically deal with. Things that have come against his body, so to speak. Floggings, beatings, being cold, being naked, being hungry, being thirsty, being tired, going without sleep. These are all physical things that he's had to deal with. But now in verse 28, I guess it is, he says, besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Now something's starting to get a hold of his soul. You see, because anytime you start thinking about things, uh, anytime things are starting to play with your emotions, we're talking about the soul. 
and he's talking about a pressure, maybe a frustration almost, because he has such a desire for the church. He has such a desire for people. I want to ask you this question because I thought about it too. Could God have transported the Apostle Paul? Of course he could have. Could he have just taken him out of his situations? Yes, he could have. For you Star Trek fans, you'll remember that, don't you? Every time they were in trouble, the communicator come out, and they said, beam me up. But I want you to know something. God can do that, but he's far more interested in taking us through the situations than he is to take us around the situation. Because he really wants us to learn something. He wants us to know what we're made out of. So he'll take us through the situations of life. I'm not saying God will. God caused all these situations. Paul had a real enemy, enemy number one. But God will take you through the situation every time. In Psalms 23, the Bible says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And then verse 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. What did God say there? Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. What a comfort it is to know that the Lord God in spite of our darkest moments, in spite of the valleys that we get into in life, in spite of the fact when death seems like it's all around us, the Lord God himself said, I'm going to be walking right through the valley with you. One of the things that we've got to do in life is we've got to face our fears. You've got to hear me on this now. We've got to face our fears because every single person in this room, including me, has some fears. And I, I pray that we're at least working on them. You may not have as many as you had at one time. That's good. I was taking my mother across the bridge the other day, the 4th Street Bridge. She began to look out across the water. And she just began to get nervous in her stomach. She said, oh, I wouldn't want to walk across this bridge. I would probably pass out. I said, well, why is that? Well, because I'm afraid that I might fall in. In an endearing way, I said, Mom... You've got to face fears in life. You can't run from them. You've got to face them. And so when we're walking through the valley of the shadow of the death, the Bible says, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Isn't that wonderful to know? That he is with us. And when he's with us, we don't have to fear. We may have certain health situations that pop up in life. You may get a report from the doctor that says you don't have much longer to live. You get all kinds of reports today. But fear does not have to grapple our heart because if it does, it will paralyze you. That's not what God has called you to live in. As he did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he will bring you through the fire. As he did Daniel, he'll bring you through the night safely. In 2 Corinthians, in closing, you can see Paul continues to talk about a thorn in his flesh. He said, there's this thorn in my flesh. We don't know what it is. There's no point in speculating on it. That's not what's important. He said this, though, three times 
I pleaded with the Lord. Three times I begged the Lord to take away this thorn. But here's what the Lord said in verse 9. He said, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. If we'll put our focus upon the glory of God and the cause of Christ, God will bring us through the most difficult situations, the most difficult times you can ever imagine. Where did Paul get this confidence at? Where did Paul get this boldness at? Where did Paul get this perseverance at? He got it because he had a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. That's where it comes from. That's the only place it can come from. God changing you on the inside. And that's what he'll do for every single person. So the starting point is simply, Lord, do I have that relationship with you? If you don't, I want you to be real today and say, no, I don't. Be honest today. And let God work in your heart today. Do you know Jesus? Do you remember that time in your life where you gave your sin to the Lord and say, Lord, save me. Come into my heart. Let me live for you. We pray that this word is ministered to you today in a powerful way. It is our prayer that the body of Christ be whole and healthy to accomplish the last day's work. Liberty Through the Word is a ministry of Liberty Christian Fellowship of Lloyd, Wisconsin. If you would like a copy of today's broadcast, we'll send it to you for a love gift of any size. You can contact us at 1525 Liberty Avenue on the web at libertychristianfellowship.com or by calling us at 608-365-0866. When you contact us, just mention the date of this broadcast. We thank you and boldly declare that there is liberty through the word. God bless.